0: in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts-Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, would me, one.
1: is now in. And a happy Monday to you. T.C. Martin with you. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. I definitely did. Appreciate all the birthday thoughts, wishes over the course of the weekend and going back to Friday at the Cosmopolitan. Appreciate that. And now we uh, look ahead to Christmas and plenty of football on tap all week long because of these COVID postponements and We'll be multitasking today as uh, the show is underway and we're about ready for kickoff in Cleveland as well as the Raiders playing the Cleveland Browns. The long-awaited game finally getting ready to take place in Cleveland. The mistake by the lake. Uh, A mistake putting this game, moving this game from Saturday to Monday afternoon. It's 5 o'clock back in Cleveland, 2 o'clock here on the West Coast. I know people in Las Vegas saying... You know, having problems maybe watching this game today. But uh, we've got it. Uh, Numbchuck, a fantastic job, of course, uh, getting on top of the roof uh, uh, up there with the rabbit ears and, and doing his thing. <laughs> no, no. We are much more high-tech than that, believe it or not. But, uh, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on the Raiders and the Browns. They're getting ready to kick off in Cleveland. Bottom line, huge game for both teams. We talked about it all last week. We thought this game would take place on Saturday. And then, as we, uh, you know, mentioned on Thursday show and then Friday uh, the game moved to today. Uh, Mark Davis not happy about it. Raiders not happy uh, with this. So, we will give you the updates uh, as they happen and again, must-win situation for both teams. It's really a playoff game for both teams. Raiders a little angry and you can't blame them. This is a team that pretty much is is all vaccinated. Really haven't had any COVID issues Uh, up until earlier today. We found out that on the defensive side of the ball, that Hobbs has uh, tested positive, so he will not play today. That's a big blow for the Raiders on on the defense. But from the Browns' perspective, no Baker Mayfield, no Kevin Stefanski, their head coach. The Browns had 24 players affected uh, by the COVID 19 virus. Five offensive starters. Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, their fine wide receiver, offensive guard, Wyatt Eller, offensive tackle, uh, Jedrick Wills, tight end Austin Hooper, uh, all not playing today. So you're losing five starters, losing 40% of your offensive line uh, starters. Case Keenum, the backup to Baker Mayfield. So when they were talking about postponing this game originally, they okay, Case Keenum will take snaps. Nope, Friday, Case Keenum got it. Uh, Kareem Hunt is also out, their star running back, not because of COVID, just uh, from an injury there. So Nick Mullins starts the game for the Cleveland Browns at quarterback today. And uh, so the Browns will get the ball first as the Raiders kicking off. But the Browns, they've been through this before. They played a playoff game last year against the Pittsburgh Steelers where they beat the Steelers, if you remember, when they had COVID cases just like this. So uh, if there's you know any experience factor here it is that the the raiders have been have the raiders that the browns have been here before uh, going back to this uh, last year for their playoff game all right so uh been a crazy nfl week week 15 not quite done because not only do we have one game we have two games on the docket for tonight but we've got two more for tomorrow as well too tonight you've got the vikings taking on the chicago bears the vikings at 6 and 7 the Bears at 4-9. Kirk Cousins, we all know what Monday Night Football means with Kirk Cousins, don't we? Not a good thing. Kirk Cousins, 1-9. That is his record as the starting quarterback for Monday Night Football. But when was his last win? His one win? The last time he faced the Chicago Bears last year on Monday Night Football. So maybe he got that off the schneid. Maybe Kirk Cousins will be ready to go. But uh, yeah, just a horrendous performance on Monday night football for the most part by Kirk Cousins. Um, Justin Fields will get the start for the Chicago Bears. Fields is 2-7 and seven as a starter. He has looked good at times. If you go back to the, the game last week uh, where the Bears played the Packers on Sunday night football, Fields actually had some moments where he looked decent, but then again, uh, he made some mistakes as well, too, and the Packers ended up uh, winning that game by double digits. So that's what's happening tonight. Uh, games got you know pushed back to tomorrow too. Originally, the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams were scheduled to play on Sunday, as were Washington and Philadelphia. Both those games are now tomorrow at four o'clock. And so there's no tiered action tomorrow. Where these are standalone games where we can watch them by themselves. Four o'clock, both games tomorrow Pacific time. Uh, Seattle at Los Angeles at SoFi. Stadium, and then Washington, Philadelphia. The Rams have uh, close to 20 players on the COVID list. Washington, 25, including uh, Taylor Heineke. He's out, but uh, Jalen Hurts will play. Not COVID-related, but Hurts you know missed the last couple games for the Eagles, so he will uh, be the starter tomorrow. So a lot of things still under ebb and flow here. Fluid situation. Uh, with everything that's going on here. so, All right, so today on the show, we're going to dive into that. Uh, Dr. Christina Madison is going to join us. T.J. Reeves will join us live from Tampa Bay. We talked about that debacle that we watched last night between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, succumbing to the New Orleans Saints. A uh, horrendous offensive football game last night as the Buccaneers lose 9-0. That's how bad that game went. Nothing. Tom Brady came up with nothing last night. Atrocious, huge upset there. Two big upsets yesterday, where you had the uh, the heavily favored Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a double digit favorite, you know, a what eleven and a half, twelve point favorite. Then you had the thirteen point favorite with the Arizona Cardinals losing at Detroit. That was abysmal too uh, yesterday. So we'll dive. Uh, into that, we'll get T.J. Reeves' thoughts about that. Will T.J. Reeves, the Bucs sideline reporter, will he be a Buccaneers apologist today? That's what I want to know. All right, The guy that is sitting here talking about the Buccaneers going to go back-to-back. They looked horrendous last night against the Saints, and the Saints continue to have their numbers. The Saints swept the Buccaneers this year, and now going back and have won, what, how many? Something ridiculous? The last seven matchups? They have won during the regular season. Insane. Next hour, we're going to talk to Kevin Kruger, the UNLV head basketball coach, uh, as uh, UNLV gets ready to wind down their non-conference slate as the Rebels will play San Diego, not San Diego State. They'll have them next week as they open up uh, conference play, Mountain West Conference play, but University of San Diego, who, uh, who plays in the WCC along with USF, who the Rebels got blasted by at USF last week. Uh, same conference, of course, as BYU and Gonzaga. So Kevin Kruger will join us at 3 o'clock. We'll talk to him. And, of course, our regular Monday guest, Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity. And uh, Matt will join us. We'll talk about the underdogs really uh, coming to the forefront. Big-time underdogs cover. Uh, they go 6-4 and four yesterday with four outright winners. So, okay, so a lot on the table. And we'll keep you updated on everything that's happening with the Raiders as they are underway in Cleveland. Uh, finally getting an opportunity to to play this game uh, against the uh, Cleveland Browns, who are still a mess. All right, so speaking of mess, uh, let's bring in our good friend, Dr. Christina Madison, as uh, COVID numbers on the rise again, obviously with this new variant. We talked to her just last week uh, regarding this, but now with more and more happening here, with more and more postponements and cancellations. Uh, let's get Dr. Madison's thoughts on this. The public health pharmacist in the house, well, kind of. She's on the phone today. What's going on, Dr. Christina? Hello, TC. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm. We're busy, as you can quite Did imagine you just here. Have a birthday? Is that a question? I think you know the 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 answer to that. It's not a question. You know the answer. That should be a statement from you. You want to try again? Birthday, I, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> See the shins that were How the was mark. that birthday of yours? My birthday was was fabulous. You know, it was a it was a birthday weekend. I got in all of my my great eating spots. Um, you know, at the Cosmopolitan on Friday, um, one of my favorite uh, steak houses, Hank's, and Green Valley Ranch on Saturday. Some other meals uh, mixed in. So uh, yeah, very very good, fun time, and uh, se- celebrated it uh, in style. So I, I appreciate you asking.
2: Awesome. Well, I feel like sports is having a bit of a reckoning right now.
1: A reckoning? <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you why I say reckoning, because I feel like we reap what we sow. And I think that when, you know, this all started, you know, the leagues were very careful about not mandating vaccination, but that they had the financial you know, um, deterrent behind getting vaccinated. And then you saw players saying that they were immunized and not really being immunized. So I feel like the prioritization of public health mitigation me- measures just really wasn't there. And I just overall seems like they just didn't really take it seriously. I mean, look at, you know, one of the you know biggest players in the NBA, you know, They're still letting him play, even though technically he's not allowed to play in New York, like they're still letting him play and he's not vaccinated. So it's like, you know, if if the leagues aren't taking it seriously, I feel like now that we're having all these outbreaks and they're getting very nervous about their ad dollars, right, because they're having to either cancel or reschedule games, I feel like this was potentially preventable, Right. Especially because, you know, when the NBA did the bubble last year without vaccination, they were extraordinarily successful. I think people are just very fatigued and that pandemic fatigue has led to uh, people putting their guard down. And unfortunately, now we have Omicron which is immune evading, meaning that it outsmarts not only your natural immunity, but the vaccination. There's heard of three lawmakers that all had breakthrough cases um, just yesterday, and they were all fully vaccinated and boosted. So, you know, this is, this is some uh, scary times, <laughs>
1: You, know, you talk about the Omicron, and you know, as we know, NFL numbers are way up here. Now, is this variant aiming differently? Because it seems much more contagious with all these numbers that we've seen just within the last couple of weeks.
2: Absolutely. This virus is 70 times more contagious than Delta.
1: Wow. Wow, seventy Delta times more was contagious.
2: Already, yeah, and Delta was already more transmissible than the alpha one.
1: And so, then when you say the alpha one, you're talking about the, the original COVID nineteen yeah, that the, we experienced yeah, the, you know the, last the OG, year. Okay. The
2: OG COVID. The OG yeah. COVID.
1: I like that. I like the way we talk about that. Very nice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, the original virus. But the OG, um, the
1: OG still kicking a little bit, right? The OG hasn't been fully retired yet, right?
2: The OG is not totally gone, but remember the way that viruses work is that they just want to make more copies of themselves. And so, it's survival of the fittest. So the one that is the fittest is going to be the dominating strain. And so right now, Delta is the dominating strain. But Omicron is most likely going to be the dominant strain by the end of the year.
0: Um,
2: And in some places of the country like New York State, which is now um, 40% of all of their isolates are Omicron, will likely um, have it be the dominant strain uh, before Christmas.
1: So even though people are testing positive here, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, it seems that the symptoms are much more mild than the original, as we say, the OG COVID, or maybe even the the Delta strain. Is is that true or false?
2: No, that's definitely true. And I will say that's true, but only because people have been vaccinated. So, yes, the symptoms seem to be more mild for people who are either partially or fully vaccinated. But that is not the case for people who are unvaccinated. This is potentially deadly for people who are unvaccinated. So, as I mentioned, those three, you know, um, uh, senators that now have breakthrough cases, all of their symptoms are mild or they're completely asymptomatic, but they found it because they have routine testing protocols. Um, And so that's how they found that they were infected. So, again, you know, the likelihood of you transmitting is lower if you're vaccinated and you're positive, but there's still a possibility. And because this virus is so much more transmissible, you're seeing people asymptomatic, um, unintentionally spreading it to others. So there was a recent study that came out that said that there were two people that were staying on the same floor of a hotel in Hong Kong, both of them were fully vaccinated and the only risk factor that they had was that their rooms were right across from each other and both of them became infected like that's how transmissible this virus is.
3: wow uh
1: dr christina madison joins us the public health pharmacist you can uh, follow her at, bu- at publichealthpharmacist.com and of course she's a great follow on twitter uh as well obviously our longtime. Uh, infectious disease uh, expert here. And, uh, again, just we're learning more and more as this situation, you know, continues to unfold. I know a lot of people you know, thought that we were like, Oh, over the worst of this. And then all of a sudden, boom. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that people really just have this fatigue factor of it. And they're thinking like, I'm tired of it. Uh, I'm, I was tired of being cooped up basically, you know, for the majority of 2020 and and, and also this year. And it's like, Hey, we're seeing people get back. Uh, we're still seeing people wear, wearing masks, you know, wherever they go, you know, mostly here in Las Vegas and the casinos and people are mandating that still. But, now we're seeing more and more of these cases uh continuing to to uprise again. Is that just because it's the winter time, because it's cold weather uh you know is it is it is it because of of the new variance? i I'm sure the answer is is all of the above here, or really is it because people are letting their guard down and people are are maybe tired of wearing the masks so your your
2: first statement was correct. It's multifactorial, right? So there's more than one reason why we're in the shape that we're in. But the primary reason is because we didn't prioritize vaccinating the rest of the world, right? So the reason why Omicron was able to develop was because we didn't vaccinate the other portions of the world, right? So we're a global community. We don't have closed borders. And... Of that you know an unvaccinated person somewhere else in the world is susceptible to becoming infected and if there's one person infected somewhere that person can unfortunately uh, spread disease everywhere right so we we can't because of the way that this virus uh, operates it's a deadly respiratory infectious virus we have to prioritizing vaccinating everyone because that's really the only way that we're going to get out of this is through vaccination that's how we uh you know eliminated smallpox that's how we eliminated polio in the united states and pretty much most of the world and so that's the priority and i think we got complacent and you know we were offering money and you know shots for shots and you know a jab for a jab or joint for a jab you know all these things all of these like incentives and enablers and it still didn't work we only have about 60 percent of the population in the united states vaccinated which means there's 40 percent of of americans that this virus can continue to replicate multiply and mutate in and then transmit to vaccinated people. And at some point, we're not going to just have something that's immune evading, meaning that it can outsmart the immune system. Mm -hmm. It's just going to completely, you know, be able to, um, you know, outsmart everything like Mm -hmm. the vaccines won't work at all. And so we're lucky as of right now that it's not worse. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's the fact that we haven't vaccinated everyone. It's also the fact that people aren't using the other mitigation, uh, you know, strategies such as wearing a well-fitted mask. So you need to wear a mask that is multiple layers and it fits tightly over your nose and mouth do you know how many people i see with like their nose out or their you know half their mouth out or they've got their mask on but it's pulled down under their chin i mean it's like basically walking around without underwear on to me you know like that's what it looks like to me (laughs) like you wouldn't leave your house without underwear at least i hope not so you shouldn't leave your house without your mask right (laughs) so It needs to be well-fitted. You need to keep your distance from people. And then the other part of this, too, is that we didn't invest in good ventilation in small spaces. So now people are going back to places that they were dining or, you know, gathering for, you know, sporting events, entertainment. But we didn't think about ventilation, and we aren't the mask police. So, other than like going to a Golden Knights game and they have signs that say put your mask on, right? Like they're really good about it there, you know, but they don't require vaccination. So it's like, what, you know, you got to do everything. You can't just do partial. You got to do proof of vaccination. You need to do testing. You need to do a well fitted mask. You need to have ventilation. And you need to do social distancing, which means we probably need to go back to limiting how many people are in, um, in congregate spaces.
1: Uh, and now let's be clear here. I think that for the most part, you're right. We don't want to see most people uh, not wearing underwear. Now, some we're okay with, right? Let's let's be let's be clear here. I mean, especially for many of the guys that that listen to this show. I mean, it's a it's a male dominated. I believe the fifth
2: on that
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's so let's be really clear here because with the NFL. I mean, they, a lot of people are, are losing their minds here and they're saying, well, you're postponing these games and, you know, a lot of these players are vaccinated. Well, here's the thing, though. If you, you could be vaccinated, but. But
2: if you've got one that's unvaccinated, that's a potential, no, like,
1: threat. Right, right, there's no doubt. But here's the thing, that if you don't get that booster. OK, yes. then that's Absolutely. the thing. People that hey, I'm vaccinated. Well, you were vaccinated maybe back in February, March or April or May or whatever. And then now you're susceptible, even though you're originally vaccinated. So if you uh, got the booster, which you should and actually you must if, if you really want to be safe, then you go back to basically being you know close to fully covered right i mean that's the thing the people that are a lot of people that are getting this have not gotten that booster shot yet and those people who have not got the booster shot are going to be more susceptible correct
2: yeah so the cdc will probably be making a change um specifically uh to the definition of what's considered to be fully immunized. So, if you look on their website right now, it says that that is the two primary doses of the messenger RNA. And they're also saying that they are now preferring the messenger over uh, the messenger RNA products, which is the Moderna and the Pfizer-BioNTech product over the Johnson and Johnson product. So um, they probably will be changing that definition to three doses, Mm -hmm. meaning like that if you are eligible for the booster um, that you should have the booster and the booster would mean that you were fully immunized. Mm -hmm. So like obviously somebody who just got like their second dose last month is not due for their booster yet. So they would be considered fully immunized. But if it's been more than six months since your messenger RNA vaccine, you're due for the booster. And if it's been more than two months since you received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you are due for the booster. So again, I think the the CDC was a bit hesitant to change that definition, but now with everything going on with Omicron and just seeing all of the breakthrough cases that we've seen in the last month, I believe that they are likely going to change that very soon, that the definition will be three doses instead of two.
1: So the NFL announced today they're going to stop weekly tests for vaccinated players who are asymptomatic. And they're talking about strategic testing will now take place. What does that mean, strategic testing?
2: Uh, It sounds like they're trying to avoid having to pay for tests for everyone. I mean, I, but I'll just be honest. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like they're, you know, they're they're probably bleeding money on this, but it's not safe, you know. If we're requiring everyone to test, you know, before they get on a plane, as and wear a mask and be vaccinated, why should it be any different than people who are playing professional sports, like? We're paying them to entertain. They should, you know, we should know whether or not they're infected. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, people are positive and are completely asymptomatic. Not to mention the fact that these men um, and women, for that matter, for professional, uh, you know, female sports, are in the prime of their life. And so what we would consider to be, like, fatigue is probably, like, an average person's normal day, you know? So, like, perspective-wise, they may think that they're not symptomatic, but really that that's, you know, because they're such elite athletes, they probably don't even realize, you know?
1: Let me ask you this quickly here. It is, do you think that we are getting closer to a shutdown here locally? What, 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 get, look in your crystal ball here, the way this is unfolding here. What are your thoughts?
2: So honestly, with our economy and everything going on, I highly doubt that we will have a shutdown. Mm-hmm. What I think will happen potentially as an additional mitigation measure will be that they will go back to um, indoor Uh, limitations on capacity but as far as shutting down i do not think that they will shut down and then now the cdc's um, implemented this uh new um uh, new procedure for children for schools called test to stay which basically uh is that they um will if they've been exposed they can still stay in school, but every child has to be tested twice a week. And if both of those tests are negative within seven days, even if they've been exposed to a positive classmate, they can still stay in school. Mm -hmm. But that's a lot of extra work for the schools, plus not to mention, you know, the federal government isn't paying for those tests. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, operations and logistics that is going to go into that. That's different than you know just what they're doing now, which is that if a child is exposed, they have to go home and quarantine for ten days. Mm-hmm. So there's a strong emphasis on keeping our kids in schools and our economy open. So I highly doubt that you will be seeing any shutdowns, but I do think that you may see indoor uh, capacity limitations. Basically, what we had prior to the June 1st, where everything was open 100. percent.
1: All right. She is uh, Dr. Christina Madison. And uh, so we, we have news that now I don't, again, this could be breaking news here. I don't know if, if you want to break it to us or maybe you're not involved in this. But uh, Numbchuck is showing me that Larry uh, Flint's Hustler Club is hosting pop-up vaccination clinic. Boobs for boosters uh, coming up uh, tomorrow between 10 and 2 p.m. Offering first and second vaccine doses as well as boosters. Any truth of the matter that, that you will be involved with this?
2: Uh, At this point, I will not be involved, but I'm very excited to see that they are offering vaccinations again. So this is actually, I believe, something that's going on through Immunize Nevada, uh, which is our our statewide immunization coalition. And they previously had an event there um, before and were giving a, a free entry Um, for those who got vaccinated there. So I'm excited to see that they're partnering um, with a local business owner again and uh, enticing those who may be vaccine hesitant.
1: There you go. All right. Dr. Christina Madison, uh, publichealthpharmacist.com. We appreciate you, as always, and uh, we will continue to monitor everything that's going on, not only locally here, but everything that's happened nationally, and and especially with what's happening in the NFL. I mean, NHL teams, uh, several of those uh, have paused now. They've crossed, uh, or they've closed off any of the border, you know, contests and everything now. I believe nine NHL teams are involved So uh, this will affect, you know, probably the Golden Knights and and their games, especially games in Canada. So, you know, again, with the cold weather, the way everything is going on here with the Omicron, we have to keep a very close eye. And again, bottom line is this get vaccinated, get the booster. I will tell you myself, uh, I did not hesitate went right doc- to Dr. Christina Madison, and I said, shoot me up. Did not ask for a joint for a jab. I just said, I didn't ask for food for a jab. I just said, give me the jab, and you oblige, and I feel great. So thank you very much
2: for Awesome. That. And just to let you know before I leave, the NHL actually has a unique issue because the actual way that they are playing and the fact that they are on the ice um, puts them at a higher risk for transmission because it's more um, highly respiratory as well as the fact that they're in a cold environment. So uh, it's not just the fact that they're in close quarters, but it's actually the way that they play the game that puts them at a high risk for infection. Mm -hmm. So just FYI, um, we, you know, the fact that they're canceling games um, I believe that they've canceled everything until the end of this calendar year. Um, they are in a unique situation that just the act of playing the game puts them at
1: risk. Now, would that go for fans, too? Obviously, fans are, are not playing the game, but they are sitting in that cold-weather environment, and there's a lot of people packed in, in arenas. So probably maybe a little bit more susceptible for fans going to NHL games than maybe an NBA game or, or indoor football games?
2: Any place where you have a high congregate setting with the potential for poor ventilation, you are at risk. And just to let you know, I know of two families, both of them, entire families were fully immunized, went to uh, VGK, playoff games, and entire family all had breakthrough cases.
1: Great information.
2: This was was over the summer. Mm -hmm.
1: Great information, Dr. Madison. We appreciate it. And uh, don't worry, uh, You know, I'll hold you to uh, still accepting your your birthday invitation uh, uh, for a, a meal uh, that, that's coming. I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily, so don't worry about that.
2: Absolutely. And please, please, please make sure that you get yourself a surgical mask or better KN95 or N95, especially if you're going on a plane.
1: This is true. This is great. All right. We will talk to you uh, later, and hopefully maybe we'll see you on Friday as well, too. Absolutely. Okay, take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. There she is, Dr. Christina Madison, publichealthpharmacist.com. Great follow on Twitter, too, at uh, publichealthpharmacist. Great information, as always. All right, we come back. T.J. Reeves will join us, and we will give you an update with the Raiders. They are on the board first in Cleveland.
0: Get wrecked with the doctor, T.C. Martin.
1: All right, Raiders happening as we speak. Uh, we are multitasking here today, of course. Uh, one eye on the game, and of course, uh, giving you the latest. Hey, hey, hey. Raiders up right now, seven to nothing. Uh, they hold Cleveland on uh, defensively on Cleveland's first drive, and then the Raiders go down on a thirteen-play, seventy-seven-yard drive, uh, get in the end zone, a five-yard touchdown pass from Derek Carr. To uh, Brian Edwards, 7-0 Raiders. They've come to the end of the first quarter. Uh, Cleveland's had uh, two possessions in that first quarter, uh, not being able to muster much of anything at this point in time right now. Raiders in that first quarter, six first downs to Cleveland's two. And uh so the Raiders jump off uh, to a to a early 7-nothing lead, game moving moving rather quickly in the second period right now. Raiders uh have the ball in Cleveland territory. Raiders have a 7-nothing lead so we'll continue to monitor what is happening there in Cleveland on a game that uh is finally taking place in a game that that the Raiders had to <laughs> double travel basically. Because they were, you know, went to Cleveland. They came back uh, and did not arrive back in Cleveland until 7:30 p.m. last night. Mark Davis very vocal about uh, what the NFL has done here in in basically letting Cleveland have a uh, an advantage for a little bit more rest, trying to get some of those guys, you know, off the COVID list. Uh, It really did not work out that way because Baker Mayfield uh, not playing today. The Browns still with 24 players that are on the COVID list. Five offensive starters, Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Wyatt Teller, Jedrick Wills, Austin Hooper, and then, of course, backup, uh, Case Keenum, their quarterback, uh, not available. Kareem Hunt also, he's out with an injury, not COVID-related. And Nick your starting quarterback uh, today. So uh, the Raiders? Need to come in here with a little feisty attitude. Seems like they have done that. Defense looks very, very strong. Couple tackles for losses behind the line of scrimmage for uh, the Raiders defense so far. They're up seven nothing. And again, really a playoff game for the Raiders and the Browns. And uh, both teams have not been training in the right direction, as we know. Cleveland one and five in their last six games, and the Raiders pretty much the same thing for to the last five. So uh, we'll continue to monitor what happens there. But uh, Raiders definitely need to come away with a victory here today. In- in Cleveland. All right, so let's uh, get back to the show and let's talk to our good friend in Tampa Bay who is, uh, I don't know if he's hungover, he has a headache, or he's just shaking his head, uh, head down in the sand there in Tampa Bay after witnessing firsthand being on the broadcast last night with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio network. We're talking about our good friend T.J. Reeves as the Buccaneers lose last night to the Saints again in capital letters 9-0 the final 9 nothing, TJ Reeves, I don't even know where to start with this thing, but first, how are you doing, my friend?
4: We are hanging in there just a few days before the big one, and Santa did not deliver any presents last night if you were a Buccaneer <laughs> fan. I knew, doctor, that things were going to go awry when I came out, or at least I had a good feeling they were going to go awry. When I came out to get ready to uh, assume my duties on the sideline, and there's a a guy dressed as the Grinch in a Santa Claus outfit with a Buccaneer logo on the back. What in the world? If you're a Buck fan, would you be doing dressed as the Grinch? Because that was the Grinch that stole the end zone yes. last night for yes. the Buccaneers on a that. 9-0 shutout.
1: I saw that. And Well, here it is. I mean, the bottom line is you know this. You know it better than anybody. You've resided in that territory forever. You don't have the smartest fans there. You know that. You don't have a lot of success there with that franchise. I mean, everything <laughs> hit perfectly. You got Tom Terrific last year. You got Gronk. Everything fell in your way. But you look in those stands. You, the The football IQ, my friend, as you well know, really, really not there. I think you're seeing that well, firsthand.
4: There, there is a melting pot in this area, and we must say that as much as there are native Floridians and natives to the Tampa Bay area, there's a whole lot of transplanted or retired Northeasterners, uh, Upper Midwesterners, Canadian Day, and everything else. And so collectively, they're not the brightest bulbs on Broadway mm-hmm. when they come and do all of this. And the shame of what went on last night is that the the place was packed stoked ready to ready to explode at anything that the Buccaneers did and for Sunday night football and it's a chance to clinch the south and celebrate and blah 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 and they gave them nothing to cheer about and I mean nothing for virtually three hours plus so that was very disappointing for a lot of different reasons and and now the injuries that I'm sure that we'll get to here, here in a second are looming just as big as the loss itself for that game last night, including to Chris Godwin.
1: Yeah this this was one of those games where the Buccaneers played well and barely lost. It wasn't a twenty seven twenty four game. It wasn't even a seventeen to ten game. It was a nine nothing game. A game that featured no touchdowns, only three field goals, all by the Saints, and nothing by Tampa at all. These two teams combined for 17 punts last night. And I can only imagine how that was broadcast in this game. And like you said, (laughs) let's go to T.J. Reeves on the field for well, probably only injury updates. I mean, we're not going to T.J. Reeves
4: And recapping punts. Correct.
1: Exactly. You know, I don't know if you have a a punt sponsor there. Uh, This punt uh, brought to you by... Exactly. Well,
4: the the, uh, thing that you're struck by is this was a replay, really, of the Sunday night game last year in November. I mean, I know this. NBC's got to throw their hands up here that we tried this twice with Buccaneers Saints in Tampa with Tom Brady, and both times the Buccaneers had more Easter, you know, more eggs than Easter that they were laying uh, in the game. I mean, last year it was Drew Brees lighting them up uh, to the tune of, of a thirty-five nothing first half lead, and I said this a couple of times. Um, I said on the air, very fortunate right now that's only six nothing. But I said this a couple times to people that were around us as the game's going on. If Drew Brees is in that game last night, I don't even care what the receiving core is. That game is twenty four or twenty seven to nothing in the second right, half,
5: right? Because
4: he's that surgical with that many opportunities to put it on your team. They were very fortunate that it was three nothing, six nothing, and even nine nothing at the very end, and not a blowout. So. They, they do need to regroup. The good news is uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing from you and from a lot of others is exactly what I heard last November when everybody wrote this team off. It wasn't just one game. They lost three of them. But I've, I've heard from you uh, what other people are saying. What's wrong with Tom Brady? Why can't you score? You've got all the injuries, all the adversity. And I think the Bucks will rally around each other. And the first thing is win one more game and you win the NFC South out of the last three. So that guarantees a home playoff game. And if you win a couple more, you're going to probably be the two-seed in all of the tiebreakers if you win two of the last three. And they are very winnable games. And this is exactly what the scenario was a year ago where they lost those games to the Saints, to the Rams on Monday night and the Chiefs in November, and everybody's writing them off. And then they played four bad teams at the end of the year and won all the games, and it gave them momentum for the playoffs. So this could be a carbon copy to build up, for the playoffs, the only difference is the injuries, which we'll get to coming yeah. up as well. And, and the thing about
1: it is, with this thing, it's just one of those things where you're, you're lucky that the Saints are not a playoff team this year. That They have all those losses because if the Saints were hovering near the top or they could catch the Bucks, or they were with the Bucks, or the Bucs were looking up to the Saints, you'd have some problems. Because this really seems like just a... It, one of those matchup type of things where the Buccaneers don't match up well with the Saints. Now, granted, I understand they got them in the playoffs, but regular season, I mean, they they got swept by the Saints this year. They got swept by them last year. I mean, we go we go back to this. What is it? The last this is a seven straight time seven during the in regular correct seven in a well, row, row a during the of, regular season. And, so, and so hold on. By the way, a
4: lot of it is Jameis Winston, who's long gone, who never played well right. against them right. either. In Tom Brady and Tom Brady hasn't played well in the four regular season matchups. But as you quickly in passing mentioned, the one that matters the most always and forever is this team retired Drew Brees forever. He's now sitting in the NBC booth having to only smirk about the Saints because he doesn't play for them anymore. Because he got retired by the Bucks last year in the Superdome and the one that everybody will remember, which is the playoff loss, well, yeah. where he threw the two interceptions right, right, right. in but, the second but half. But they remember that they for last second.
1: year. No one's remembering that right now because this is a, a concern. Because when you look at the Bucks and having to face – you know, the upper echelon teams and luckily there's probably only the, the Green Bay Packers, you know, really is the upper echelon right now and you guys got some more games on the schedule that again, you have no problem against these lower tier teams, but it, what is it with the Saints? Is it just the defensive matchups because I think, I think what it's is it with defense. the Saints?
4: I think yeah. it's the defense in part. I mean, it certainly isn't the running game uh because Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram had 20 carries for 38 yards. Right, right. I say again, 20 carries for 38 yards. Yeah, they Kamara
1: 11 for 18 last night yeah. as a featured so, back, yeah. So
4: they, they could not run the ball. The defense is part of the of the mojo. And let's be honest, uh, the uh, Dennis Allen, as the interim coach, had a similar mindset to what Bill Belichick did two weeks ago, two weeks ago tonight on Monday Night Football with the wind and the cold. Where Belichick basically just said, hey, we're going to play field position, run the ball, run the clock, kick field goals, and wait for the other team to make mistakes. And that's how they beat Buffalo that night in a low-scoring game. And Dennis Allen had the same philosophy, and and it did work out uh i don't think there's anything lucky about what the buccaneers did last year the buccaneers have won 10 games this year the saints have been awful this year mm-hmm. without drew Brees, they have been awful offensively and last night again that game was right there for the taking because they were awful again offensively you've uh you've criticized Taysom hill in the past he had a couple of good throws in the game but my god there were four or five plays to be made where the ball is behind people in the dirt I mean, you can tell they aren't the same offense. They aren't anywhere close to the same pass offense. And they're going to lose probably to Miami this week, and that will eliminate them. And they will enjoy... My friend watching the playoffs on TV involving the Buccaneers. Yeah,
1: no, they're all about the defense. And again, when you hold a team scoreless, especially the defending champs on their home field scoreless, I mean that just tells you how uh, you know uh, dominant the defense was. And as I'm watching this game last night, and it goes back to what you said about okay, well, hey, they're only down six nothing. Okay, three nothing fine, six nothing uh, okay, no problem. I mean the Buccaneers had their chances. I believe that they had they had three drives. They they got to the fifty. Some suspect play calling on third and short. You know Brady's going long instead of like pounding the ball. I mean Ronald Jones nice nice game last night. He came out of nowhere. We know Fournette got injured, but uh, Jones with eight carries for 63 yards. Nice. but here, here's the thing. when it became nine nothing, even though that it was only like you know there's still four or five minutes left to go in this game, I said game over. It's 6-0. I was holding out hope for the Buccaneers, but when it was 9, and normally you would say, well, it's it's still a touchdown, a field goal. In the NFL, that means absolutely nothing, but it was like you just felt it was curtains when they got that third field goal. No way in the world the Bucs are coming up with two scores because they couldn't get one for 55 minutes.
4: I disagree with the doctor. They had the ball with seven minutes left, three timeouts, and the two-minute warning. I know that because we were talking about it uh, coming out. But they were never
1: close to scoring. TJ never. How many plays in the red zone did they have?
4: Zero. I'm I'm saying to Seen Tom Brady deliver so many times that you're thinking: put a drive together, make a play to Gronkowski, put a drive together. You're going to get a touchdown. You're going to rattle them where they can't move the ball. And now all you need is a field goal uh, to win the game. And so again, it was strange. It was weird. There's uh, there's a lot being made of it. I will submit this again. Every team is injured and banged up. But when Chris Godwin got injured, and we'll talk about the hit in a second. No, go ahead. Just yeah, talk about it. I mean
1: that that is the the injuries were key last night because sure. Well, I mean, my point is. They changed, I believe, some of the play calling. He got less comfortable with
4: what they wanted to try to do because no Godwin, no Mike Evans, Mm -hmm. and Leonard Fournette got hurt on the first possession of the second half. So I think for the four or five possessions after that, Brady really struggled to have any confidence in any of those receivers that are there. And the other name, Antonio Brown, is now going to enter the equation because he's back off suspension. I I would just submit that I don't care if it's Mahomes without Kelsey, and without Tyreek Hill and without Edwards O'Leary in the backfield for a whole second half, they're going to call the game differently, and he's going to have a struggle trying to find the guys that he normally finds. Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't have Devontae Adams, he doesn't have Aaron Jones, he doesn't have one of their other go-to receivers in the same half, all of them together gone, it's going to cost you with with some of the stuff that you're going to try to do and who's going to get open. I'm not saying that's the only reason why they struggled, but I I think he lacked – I know he lacked the confidence in, let me wait to see if Scotty Miller can win his one-on-one matchup. Let me wait to see if Jalen Darden can, the rookie, the little guy, uh, who returned the seven punts or seventeen punts or twenty-seven punts, whatever that was? Let me see if he can win his one-on-one right. matchup. No, so that was part
1: of the problem. No, that—that that was everything. That was everything, and that, and that's—I'm not blaming Tom Brady. I mean, he—he, he, you know, the offensive line. There were some issues there, but credit the Saints' defensive uh, front, no question. But for me, that's why I—I I had no uh, confidence in the second half when Fournette went down because, like you said, well, you already are, are missing Antonio Brown. Yeah, uh, Gronk was several misses, but God who was the go-to guy in that first half when he went out again you who who is left i mean it is right. scotty miller and then behind Fournette, and then jones and then you you had a third string running back there no brady had no weapons whatsoever and the way the saints defense was playing it, uh, for me that's what it was like brady has no one except for gronk to that he could actually count on and gronk had a couple drops last night
4: Okay, so back to the play that Godwin got hurt on, and I said this on the Buccaneers official podcast that we do, the recap podcast. I understand that by the letter of the rule, he is allowed P.J. Williams, the defensive back, to do what he's doing. But I thought live, dirty play. When I saw them celebrating with Chris Godwin laying there last night, I I, classless. And I said that on the podcast today, the Buccaneers didn't dance around and celebrate when Jameis Winston was laying there with his injured knee in the superdome back in the earlier meeting in October. So there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. There were two more instances later in the game, including one with Rob Gronkowski, where there's a guy coming from death, a safety or a DB looking to submarine right at the legs. So I understand the NFL wanted to legislate the high hit, the net, the neck, the head, the vicious high hit out of the game, and they have with personal fouls and ejections and fines, and and now gradually over the years, that's been uh, taken out of the game, basically. But what you're doing instead is you've got guys that are going right at the legs some of the time, and the Saints, I don't know if some of this was to try to pay somebody back for Jameis getting hurt by Devin White. I don't really know what was going on, but clearly a, a team with a previous huge blotch on its record for trying to injure people in Bounty Gate and having a hit list in Bounty Gate of go after them and try to hurt them. Clearly they were going at people's legs last night. Mm -hmm. And and you don't have to take my word for it. Watch, Watch back on three occasions where Godwin got it once and there were two other times where they were going at people's legs. And so uh, you know, I'm just I'm putting that out there because it's unfortunate because yeah. Chris Godwin's now gone for the year.
1: Yeah, horrible on that play. Horrible. TJ Reeves yep. joins us, Bucks sideline reporter. TJ, only a couple minutes left here. Uh, Bruce Arians says today that bringing back Antonio Brown is best for our football team. Uh, agree, disagree with that?
4: At this point, they're desperate at receiver mm-hmm. and. From their standpoint, I know he's taking criticism for what he said before about zero tolerance. They want to win, and he's now served another suspension. The league lowered the boom for three more games. That's three games without him, and they lost one of them. So I understand that there's outcry of why, why are you not getting rid of him, but they want to win. I think Tom Brady has some influence, but ultimately the owners are the ones that are, that are ultimately in charge of this decision, and I think they signed off on it as well that that he paid his NFL penalty and they're going to bring him back and Mike Edwards the safety back uh as as soon as right now they they've been in the building uh in team meetings and all of that today getting ready for the Carolina game and we'll see if Brown can fill in and and be a guy that Brady goes to here in the next few games leading into the playoffs and the, and that's the that's the big thing the big takeaway as i say bye to you here in a sec is you are still very much alive for January with the greatest of all time at the controls. And things could still work out where you end up being the number one seed. You're going to have to have help, but you're going to probably be like the two or the three seed playing at home for the first week and maybe the second week. Mm -hmm. And then who knows from there. We'll
1: see. Yeah, the injuries at wide receiver are crucial, uh, especially with Chris Godwin. What is the the extent of uh, Mike Evans' injury?
4: They have not said officially, but if it is a hamstring, you have to believe it. It's the same with Fournette; it's a hamstring. Mm-hmm. You have to believe that's at least a couple of games because you don't want to try that. This is this is Doctor TJ on the Doctor Show. You don't want to try that and have him hurt it worse this coming week or even next week. I think you would you would be surprised. I would be surprised if either one of them are playing this week, and probably not the Jets game on January second, because you want them at least as fresh as possible, and you may not even have to play for anything in Week 17 with Carolina at home. That may not matter. So you're trying to rest them for two or three weeks, probably both, on Evans and Fournette.
1: All right, he is T.J. Reeves uh, with the Bucks broadcast team. Unfortunately, not a great game in Tampa for their fans last night, losing to the Saints 9-0. Uh, and again, well, injuries a big reason for this uh, loss last night. And going forward, we'll see what happens with the Bucks. All right, brother, we appreciate you. Uh, have a great uh, rest of the week, and uh, enjoy your Christmas uh, with the family. Yes. Merry Christmas
4: to everybody in the desert out in Vegas. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with the NFL and all of the craziness. Mm. You guys be well out there, and I look forward to catching up with you soon
1: again. You got it, brother. Okay, man. Take care, and be safe. Stay healthy. Appreciate you. All right. He is TJ Rees with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lose last night 9-0, a game that featured no TDs, only three field goals. Tom Brady, 26 for 48. 26 passes. He completed only for 214 yards. Of course, no touchdowns. One interception. Had a fumble himself as well, too. Uh, A real ugly offensive football game. All right. uh, Speaking of... uh I say an ugly offensive football game. Right now, get you updated. Raiders lead the Browns 7 0. The Raiders scored on their first drive, a 77 yard drive, 13 plays, 7 0 over the Browns. Raiders defense stepping up against a decimated Browns team. But hey, the Raiders will take a victory any way they can on the road. They lead 7 0. Six minutes to play in the second quarter. We'll continue to update you on that during hour number two of the show. We come back, we talk UNLV basketball. Running Rebels. We got a game coming up Wednesday night. And the head coach, Kevin Krueger, will join us next. Plus, Matthew Holt will join us as we talk about all of the NFL action, not only tonight and tomorrow, but what our eyes saw yesterday as well. Now you're going to bring it up and just and put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me?
0: No! Why? In the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous. But seriously, it's the TC Martin Show. No, listen,
1: uh, you're making me nervous.
0: Diagnosis. Oh, and a foul. Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang! It's the doctor TC Martin. Hey-ya!
1: Hour number two, glad to have you with us here on this Monday, recapping a very busy NFL weekend that is actually still going on. Raiders in Cleveland playing that uh, midday a- uh, afternoon affair. Actually, it's technically, you know, 6 o'clock, close to 6 o'clock in Cleveland. But uh, the Raiders nearing halftime with a 7 nothing lead over the Cleveland Browns in the game that got rescheduled from Saturday till today. Then we have our regular Monday night football game tonight with the Vikings and the Bears. And remember, two more games tomorrow as the Seahawks are playing the Rams and the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles. Both those games start at 4 o'clock tomorrow. So we have Tuesday football. And then we'll come back. We'll do it again on Thursday. Do it again on Saturday, Christmas Day, and Sunday. So basically, you know, you're going to have like a 14-day period where you have basically football at about 11 or 12 of those days. Pretty crazy. But for a sports fan... You gotta love this, but not under these circumstances. Where uh, again, COVID nineteen and the Omicron uh, variants is, is out there right now and just uh, causing pure havoc with uh, with all sports and not just sports, but just uh, people you know all over the world and especially here locally in Las Vegas uh, as well. All right, this hour coming up. Uh, Matt Holt will join us, uh, from U.S. Integrity. We'll start breaking down, uh, tonight's game and, uh, talk about all the underdogs that, uh, cashed in at the sports book yesterday as well, too. We'll talk bowl games and a whole lot more with you. But right now we talk a little UNLV run and rebel basketball as the Rebs, uh, have, uh, won three in a row and they got a game coming up Wednesday night at the Thomas and Mack Center. It'll be their final non-conference game and join us now, I believe, from an undisclosed high school gym somewhere. Kevin Kruger, the head coach. Kevin, what's going on, brother?
5: Not too much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I
1: appreciate you taking time. This is how dedicated Kevin Kruger is to our show here. I mean, he's he's taking time out of uh, of recruiting and scouting to say, "No, I got I got to come and do a TC show." I appreciate that.
5: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna honor my commitment.
1: That's my guy. So, t- can you tell us uh, where you're at? Who are you looking at? I actually
5: can't by NCAA rule, this is but true. I, uh, I, I am at the TARC, I am a, uh, at the Tart Classic, so okay. Um, you know, a bunch of good games going on, but uh, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, we can't discuss individual recruits.
1: I it? Are you having some good popcorn? That's all I want to know about.
5: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go get a bag of popcorn on my way out.
1: Yeah, on the way out. See, I figured that. Are you one of these guys while you're scouting? I mean, do you go, you go with the popcorn and uh, and all that, and then you're kind of making mental notes, or you just, you know, no, you have to have clean hands and, and pen and paper handy, or you electronic guy, or you know, what kind of guy are you when you're scouting?
5: I'm a pen and paper guy. You know, I've always got a pen carrying around a pen and, and jot down an idea or a name or a number. But right. you know, my oddly enough, my dad was a popcorn. I mean, every time we ever went recruiting <laughs> together, we, we got popcorn. And, uh, yeah, that it's funny you say that. That brings back a lot of memories.
1: See, and, and again, I did not know that at all. But then again, see, but but the, whether it's snacks, food, it's it's always going to come into play on this on this show, Kevin. You got to you got to be aware of that. So there you go, good oh. stuff.
5: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Something about popcorn too at the movies or going to a basketball game. You know, as long as that popcorn is fresh, because I'm a popcorn snob. So if it's one of these things that's been, been been sitting in there for a while, forget about. it. We can't indulge in that. That's no good. But fresh popcorn, we're okay. And a lot of these high schools, they do it right, man. I got to say that.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not much. There's not a lot better than, you know, catching a movie or a sporting event oh. with a nice hot, hot
1: fresh pop. There you go, man. There it is. All right, Kevin Krueger. That's it. All right, man. Let's talk about what's been uh, happening. I want to go back. Now, you guys have won uh, three in a row at home. What what have you been most impressed with in in these victories? Especially, I want to go back to you know the Hartford and Seattle game too. Those games were at the Mandalay Bay, but then you came back and you beat Omaha the other night. Again, not stellar opponents, and you had a little break in the schedule because you you guys played some some real stalwarts there before that. We'll get into that, but uh, just in the win streak, what have you been most impressed about?
5: I think I'm just the most I'm the most impressed by the guys. I just uh, I'm proud of them. I mean, like you mentioned. You know, of our five losses, we got Wichita, UCLA, Michigan, San Francisco, and SMU. I'm not really sure which one of those losses we should be, you know, just mad and sort of feel like the season's over for.
1: Yeah, you can't and, apologize for any of those because they're all strong no, teams. No, no doubt, yeah.
5: those are tough teams, tough programs, and two of them on the road. Uh, you know, two of them neutral, even a T-Mobile, but still not home games. Right. And, uh, yeah, so no, there's nothing, there's no reason for us to be hanging our heads or our fans to be hanging our heads right now. We're we're proud of our guys, and I think as much as anything, just having as many new guys as we had to bounce back and play a, a, a good Seattle team, and then come back after that and play really well offensively against Hartford, and then they come back to the Thomas and Mac for the first time in two weeks. and and grit out a win against Omaha I'm just proud of them
1: mm-hmm. what did you learn about your team with that tough stretch and like you mentioned Michigan Wichita State UCLA SMU and San Francisco
5: I think just that that they're tough mm-hmm. you know these are tough guys you know these are guys that have you know love to play and some of them went a year or two without playing you know and then other guys that are changing landscape and finishing their career I mean that at a different location. That's a tough decision to make, mm-hmm. and I, I think they've just—they've shown that they're tough, that they love to play, that they, you know, enjoy the competing, and and uh, you know they—they want to have fun doing it. I think uh, I'm just, again just just happy for them and, and proud of them for continuing to fight.
1: You know, kind of resetting everything here. I mean, when you got this job, you—you uh, you, you weren't keeping a lot of. Of uh, T.J. Altselberger's players, and then of the transfer portal and everything. I mean, it's taking you time really to get to know these guys, not just you know on the floor, but off the floor and everything of that nature too. I'm going to ask you which which player have you been uh, mostly, I'd say, pleasantly surprised with? And I know there's probably more than one, but just. Just give our listeners an idea about, like, you know, when you recruited this guy, or this guy was coming to UNLV and said, "Okay, you know, this sounds pretty good." Again, I mean, you you really had to reconstruct a, a whole brand new roster here. So, who's kind of pleasantly surprised you up until this point?
5: Oh, I think the first guy that jumped out is Roy Tamp. Um, you know, just, just just because you know when you spend four years at one place, you know, terminology, schedule you know, uh, daily life. I mean, that's pretty ingrained in you from 18 to 22. And then to come to somewhere different and just, you know, play as hard as he does and be as productive as he is, is, has really just been a a pleasant surprise. You're about to hear another horn, by the way. That's
1: fine. I love horns. There it is. Thank you. I
4: just trying to prepare you.
1: Oh, that's okay. Kevin, remember, I coached high school basketball for many, many years too. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting flashbacks right now too, Kevin. So it's all good. Don't <laughs> well, worry about. No, good. And yeah. I, I, couldn't eat popcorn on the bench, you know. So you know, that's why I would enjoy those scouting trips too. So anyway, go ahead. Well, if,
5: if if Red Arbaugh could smoke a cigar, you could have popcorn.
1: This is true. This is true. This is true. I mean, I, what
5: are we? What are we talking about? This here? is. This is
1: true. Exactly. <laughs> and what is up with that? I mean, Red. I mean. In an arena. I mean, there
0: were
1: were guys back in those days, again, you know, we're not showing our age or nothing here, but just, you know, we saw old black and white, right? People were smoking cigarettes, uh, you know, watching those games back in those days at the Boston Garden, too. There used to be a haze in some of those arenas.
5: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, You could on certain international flights, people could smoke on a flight. That's right. So. That's right.
0: That's right. That
5: was Times down. have definitely changed for the better in that regard, that's no, for
1: sure. No doubt. No doubt. Um, all right, so Royce, What I'm curious, what has been Royce's feedback? I mean, here's a guy playing in the Big 12, you know, coming from, from Texas, and, you know, like you said before, I mean, he was just sitting behind so many guys. Now he's getting his opportunity to play. And, again, you know, the the Mountain West Conference, nothing really against it, but it's not the Big 12. I mean, how's he feeling? Is he feeling like, hey, man, I'm really going to get a chance to shine here during conference play? And he's thinking, man, I'm going to be taking it to a lot of these guys. Well, I think so.
5: I think his confidence is high right now. And then, you know, on top of that, when we have James Hampshire, you know, seven-foot yeah. shot blocker from Pacific who hasn't played all year, and then Vic Walker went out with his shoulder as well. You know, those are two guys we also counted on to – Kind of be a part of that, uh, you know, anchor defensively and in the paint offensively. That it could help give Royce, you know, spells here and there to go along with David Walker. And we've been pleasantly surprised with Reese Brown lately as well. But you know, we we asked, we put a lot more on Royce's plate early, and uh, you know, just because again, David coming over a little younger from Lamar and Reese not getting a lot of reps and experience last year. So just, just, just really proud of just the way he's, he's just fought and continued to battle. And, you know, if anything we can do to pump his confidence up, he deserves it.
1: All right. So I know last time I talked with you it was, uh, it was before the road trip. You guys were going to SMU and to USF, and I said, "Hey, uh, make make sure you uh, you know give a little nod or go talk to my boy Big Bill Cartwright over there. I know he was sitting uh, uh, underneath it, his his traditional spot, you know, underneath the uh, the hoop there. Uh, did you get to see uh, the big seven footer there? Because uh, I you know, did. Okay. When we were
5: walking out, he was sitting under our uh, across from our bench, under our second half hoop, and I. Okay. I just waved to him, and I, he gave me the wave back, like, I have no idea who you are, but hi, and uh, I'm okay with that, I said hi to Bill Cartwright, he's a legend, and that was pretty cool to see him there.
1: Yeah, no, he does know who you are, because we talked about it, I said, I said, you go say hi to my guy Kevin Kruger over there, and I don't know if he had a Don's dog or popcorn, he's another big popcorn guy, because he'll munch on that popcorn underneath the hoop, it is uh, his traditional uh, spot there, uh, there at the War Memorial, uh, but uh yeah, I mean, he's he's been bragging always about his USF guys. And, you know, he was saying, you know, Dad goes, you know, I, I love your UNLV guys. Uh, I'll be rooting them on, but not this game. And uh, so he was telling me, he goes, you know, your guys, he goes, he called me the next day. He goes, your guys look pretty good. They they, they they looked okay. But how about from a USF standpoint? I know that uh, Bouye had a great game and, and their guards, I mean, they can get hot. And it sounded like they were hot against you guys.
5: No, they're good. Uh, Todd and his group and their team. I mean, they, they've got a very good team. Yeah, uh, you know, go into Tempe last night and and win at Arizona State, where they were actually right. they led a lot of it, and then ASU took a lead late and they fought back to win. I mean, they uh, no, they're they're a very very good team, and I think. Uh, the way they're playing right now, if they can continue that the rest of the year, you know, March March could be good for them.
1: Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great for, for them to get back. And, you know, it's it's tough with Gonzaga there. But, you know, in that conference, you know, with BYU and St. Mary's, those are solid programs as well, too. I mean, it's, and again, we love going to the WCC tournament here, you know, at the Orleans, too. That's, that's always fantastic. Uh, Kevin Kruger is joining us. Uh, Kevin, you've got to speak into the WCC. you got University of San Diego uh, you know, coming up uh, tomorrow, right? No, yeah, no Wednesday, Wednesday, when, when, when Wednesday night. Uh, try to keep this win streak alive here as you close out uh, conference play. Uh, how you feeling? And also, you know, you guys have have run some specials with fans. You know, coming to the games. I believe we got got a, like a five dollar night. I mean, people come to the game at the Thomas and Max Center for five bucks Wednesday night, right?
5: I believe so. I believe so, and that's uh, yeah. I mean, we, we just. We got to do a better job. We got to do more at UNLV of 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 getting people to to come enjoy running Rebel basketball. And uh, I, again, I think this is a group that when people come to the Thomas and Mack and watch, they they can they're going to find a guy that they support, they enjoy watching. And uh, I think it just uh, anything we can do to help get people there. I know obviously the knee jerk reaction is going to say just win all your games, which is a simple answer, but. You know, we're going to go out there and try. That's what we're trying to do. But we'd love for the city and and UNLV fans to get out there and and, uh, cheer them on.
1: You know, you had to play those games at the Manly Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena there, you know, last week. Again, the rodeo was closing up. Uh, Crowds were sparse. Uh, Going forward, how would you like to handle that time of the year for future seasons? Is it just you've got to plan a road trip or. How do you feel about playing these games off campus and in, 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 the, in these neutral sites, especially knowing that you know that way it might be hard to get some of these fans there?
5: Yeah, I mean, with the rodeo, it, it kind of is what it is. It's been that way for yeah, I mean, right. What mid forever? I started coming to Thomas and Mac, yeah, forever. And but uh, yeah, I think there's there's a couple things. But first to to kind of address, how it was not something we were that. I think was very good. The people of Vegas responded that second night where yes, we had, we had a couple, a couple boosters that uh, work with the group that runs the event and decide, you know, cause they walked in, they said, this isn't, this isn't what we want it to look like. And they picked up the tab of anybody who wanted to come. And, and I thought the, the Vegas response in 24 hours kind of shows what, what we can do, what the people will come if we just uh, continue to try to get them there and, and do what we need to do at UNLV to, give them that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, to be more specific on the rodeo, what, what I'd love to do is have something that maybe just became a staple. You know, during the rodeo, UNLV fans, the city knows. The Thomas and Max taken by the rodeo, so it's it's rodeo week, and UNLV plays this night at X. right? And, you know, just creates almost like an annual, you know, we can't have another NTE like the one we played in at T-Mobile, but just something where we're at you know, whatever venue we're at and fans just know, you know, during that week where UNLV's got two home games and we make it a uh, tradition. And, and I would love to see something like that happen just so, cause like you mentioned, you know, it's been, when I played, we played a game in Cedar city, Utah, you know, and then, you know, there's been times where games are at the Orleans, or, right. you know, and then obviously this year at Mandalay Bay. So it's kind of a moving target. I wonder if there's something we could do there that uh, would make it easier.
1: You know, I think you hit the nail on the head too. If you just had something in place that that was okay, this is going to be the destination. Destination. And it is two games, maybe it's you know, uh, you know, one game, uh, you know, whatever it is, a Wednesday and a Friday or a Thursday, Saturday, something like that, and people could 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 lock that into. Because I remember going back in Dave Rice's last season when they played Oregon at the MGM. And I remember being in that building thinking like, wow, this is, this is a neutral court game, but it's not. And those fans came in there, and, and the Rebels knocked off Oregon that night, and that was like an electric night. And if you had something like that where people against, you know, probably against an, uh, an upper echelon opponent, I think would help as well, too. But if you got something like that, I, I think you hit the nail on the head that then people would just, like, get behind that and, hey, okay, this is where we got to be at this time of year, and we're, we're going, you know, you know, this is the spot.
5: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
1: Yep, yeah, there it is. All right. You can put me on the committee for that one. How's that? Okay, you got it. I'll call you
5: next week for the for the answer.
1: There it is. Absolutely. That sounds good. All right, Kevin Kruger, uh before we let you go, um the you guys have only had two road games, and we touched upon this a little bit before. Are are you concerned as you get ready for conference play here? Uh, about that, because you will go into some some hostile environments when you when conference play starts. Uh, or, or do you feel comfortable enough that you know? Okay, you went to two places already, but or, or do you wish you had some more uh, away games going into conference play?
5: Uh, no, no, two is good. Um, I just think you know that you know, San Francisco being a you know top thirty ish Ken Palm team, uh, very very intimate uh, setting at, at their you know War Memorial. Uh, SMU, a great little gym at Moody Coliseum, uh, you know, loud. It gets loud pretty easily there. Uh, but the quality of the two teams we played on the road, I think, uh, were very similar, uh, maybe not identical, but similar to the competition level we'll see. And uh, you know, you know, it is what it is. You know, when scheduling, it's not you can't. It's not an exact science. So that we played somebody identical to San Diego State and their arena, or Colorado State, or what have you, but you know two very good opponents and in their home gym i think uh as much as anything we'll be able when we're playing those early road games to look back at those and and remember them and i think two two's a two's a good number but cuz we all, it also you know even playing in T-Mobile in Mandalay Bay you know you you're getting on a bus you're you yeah. kind of got a little bit of a uh road game uh routine not necessarily the same because you're not in a hotel but uh you get on the bus you get you know you eat you do shoot arounds. so I think uh, I think the non-conference schedule we've had is, is pretty good preparation for our conference.
1: All right, Rebels in action Wednesday night against San Diego, 7 p.m. And then we get ready for the conference opener against San Diego State home game, actually on New Year's Day. Uh, how much have you started thinking about uh, the opener against San Diego State? Uh,
5: none, mm-hmm. none. Uh, you know, San Diego requires all my, my attention and my effort. Um, I mean, other than knowing we play them on the first and watching them, uh, you know, play a few games just on nights where I'm home uh, with the wife, uh, just haven't haven't given them any thought because it's all got to be on the Toreros right now. Right. But of course, as you know, that doesn't mean I take them any any di- lightly or any differently. Uh, but as soon as this game against San Diego is over, we'll we'll focus all our attention to San Diego State. All
1: right. Are, are you a binge watcher when you're spending time at home with the wife, you know, some of these down times? I mean, what, what, what do you what is Kevin Krueger watching on TV?
5: Oh, no, absolutely. I think it's funny. So we, we moved a few months ago, and my one ask was to get um, a couple TVs in our living room so we can get some sports games going. So, yeah, when I get home, we'll – she will have uh, all the TVs going and, and college basketball games will be all over the place uh yeah we we watch them together and and uh I don't know if it's by design or just kind of how I grew up but uh <laughs> we do that but then I will admit I for all those that I am I try to be a good husband and when the games are over and it's time to Shut it down for the night. We watch her her shows that she prefers, and and we watch those together. So
1: you it's, got it's you know you got to drop one that. of those. You got to drop one or two of those with us here. Now come on, now we need an update. What 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 she like to watch? And then you actually sit through, and you go, you know, I'm not down with this. But you know what? It's kind of growing on me. There's one of those shows, Kevin. I know. It. Well, um, yeah, we all I'll, have that. I'll
5: be honest. I'll be honest. Yeah. We watch uh, we watch the uh, Summer House. Okay, I'm, I don't know what channels they're on. I yeah. do apologize for that. Um, and then we watch that makes uh, two of us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I didn't mind it. I don't mind them. Uh, I don't. I don't understand the Housewives, but she likes those. Yeah. uh So I, we watch those, and they're, they're always. I mean, I can't even imagine how many cities that's in by now, because it seems like it's a different one every yeah. every time we watch. Right. But um, yeah, that. Um, uh, and Southern Charm. We watch, We spend a lot of time watching those. The one in Charleston, South Carolina. There
1: you go. All right, great stuff. So we what we've learned is that Kevin Kruger basically has the sports book without gaming. There, he's got the multiple TVs. Probably the popcorn machine there uh, in there with all the TVs as well. Too. Uh, he's got the recli- he's got the recliners going. There it is. Yeah. I, I I I got you figured out. I like that. I like oh, it. Oh yeah, there it is.
5: Sports and popcorn. What's
1: What's better than that? Ah oh, man, you can't beat it. All right, my man. Appreciate you taking time and uh, and spending some time with us today. Again, out recruiting uh, at the uh, Tarkanian Classic. He's in his car now and uh, he's getting ready to go back home and and uh, do some more scouting and getting ready for Wednesday night. I, I I know the drill. Yeah. Oh
5: yeah. It's a good.
1: It's a good one. <laughs> That's it. All right, man. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. There he is, Kevin Krueger, the head coach of the UNLV, running Rebels. Wednesday night will be the final non-conference game for the Rebels. Try to close out on a winning note. They have won three in a row. And, again, the losses that UNLV has right now, not to make excuses, but they were underdogs in every one of those games and a pretty good account for themselves. Especially against Michigan, against Wichita State, uh, UCLA game was at the Thomas and Mack, and again you're coming off a UCLA, you know, team that just was phenomenal the championship game last year. Uh, SMU and USF, two very improving teams, you know, on the road, so you know, don't have to apologize for any of those losses whatsoever. And uh, yeah, sure, the way college basketball is with the landscape, you're going to play some of those lower echelon teams and the rebels have not lost to those. And past Rebel teams, as we've seen, have lost to those type of teams. Um, Hasn't happened, you know, this year. So even like a North Dakota State team that is a a perennial, you know, uh, vying for an NCAA tournament berth out of the Summit League, a very strong program, UNLV, close game, but they beat them. And uh, they they got the job done. So they've won three in a row, trying to close it out at home against uh, University of San Diego, 7 o'clock Wednesday night. Looking forward to that. And then they bounce right back with San Diego State on uh, New Year's Day. New Year's Day, the Rebels will play San Diego State to open the Mountain West Conference uh, slate with Kevin Kruger, uh, at, uh at the helm. And I think people love Kevin Kruger; They like what they're doing. And again, until they start knocking off some of these top-tier teams, that's when you're going to start, you know, winning people over. And as we know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in his first season. But you got to give the guy three, four seasons to build his roster. They've already got athletes. And, you know, you've seeing the athleticism that they have is somewhat reminiscent, you know, going back to, uh, you know, some Dave Rice's teams, you know, recruiting very, very similar with that. So, yeah, we root for Kevin Kruger. root for the Rebels, no doubt about it. All right, uh, get you updated here. The Raiders and the Browns, uh, we have come to halftime right now, and the Raiders with a 10-0 lead. The Browns had a field goal attempt as uh, the clock wind, uh, was winding down there at the end of the second quarter, way wide right, and uh, Derek Carr coming off the field, fist-pumped, The Raiders have pitched a shutout for the first 30 minutes, and they lead the Cleveland Browns 10 0 at the half. All right, we come back. Matt Holt joins us, and we start talking uh, a little bit about tonight's game. We got Monday Night Football tonight, the regularly scheduled game between the Vikings and the Bears. Plus, we got action tomorrow, and we'll talk about the dogs barking loud again at the Sportsbook over the weekend.
0: Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. One two three four. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up like a fax machine.
1: Get on All right, up. the Raiders have a ten-nothing lead at the half on this Monday afternoon fair from the game that was rescheduled from Saturday to Monday. And the Raiders, we said, they had to come out with attitude today. Had to come up with a little angry streak because they weren't happy about all the traveling that they had to do with this thing and mark davis coming out and saying hey unfair advantage uh, for cleveland well again uh, baker mayfield uh, not playing today and all those guys that were on the COVID list uh for saturday's original game uh not playing uh, today, and it's showing uh, Nick Mullins uh, not having much success at all, even though he did drive the Browns down on that uh, final series before halftime, and the Browns uh, miss a field goal 10 nothing. the halftime score. Raiders in a must-win game for both teams, actually. But the, the Raiders, they, any hopes whatsoever of trying to still squeeze into a playoff spot, they need to win uh, today in Cleveland, and then they need to come right back and uh, get the job done coming up this weekend, this Sunday, against Denver, who now uh, is minus Teddy Bridgewater, who went to the hospital in yesterday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and Drew Locke had to come in relief. Now Locke will be the starting quarterback for the Broncos coming up this weekend when they travel to Allegiant Stadium, and uh, kind of deja vu, because we saw Drew Locke last year when the Broncos... Uh, came here, took care of business uh, against the Raiders. So Locke, very familiar with uh, the Raiders. So uh, just because their backup quarterback is going to be playing for the Broncos coming up Sunday does not necessarily mean that that's an automatic for the Raiders. But first things first, Raiders need to get the W here today in Cleveland. Halftime again, Raiders ahead 10 nothing. All right, let's talk to our good friend from U.S. Integrity, Matt Holt. What's going
3: on, Matt? T.C., I can never remember a time, literally never, where we are this late. I mean, we're we're a week or less than a week away from Christmas, and so many teams are fighting for playoff games. It feels like every single game is a must-win for both teams on the football field. 13 of the 16 AFC teams still in the playoff hunt. It is absolutely amazing to watch this season. And I'll tell you a little bit, T.C., of – of what's been the most important thing the last month of football is luck. With so many injuries and so many COVID outbreaks, sometimes it's just catching a team at the right time. That seems to be the case for the Raiders today. One of those 13 teams still alive in the playoff on what a crazy season.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Now, do you think a lot of this has to do, with the extension of the season, that extra week to 17 games, because that just opens up the possibilities now because, you know, now we, you know, the majority of the teams have completed 14 games. So we've got three games left and, you know, all this jockeying, you know, for position here
3: still open. I I 100% agree that the 17th game is huge and it's really made a huge difference in the amount of how many of these games mean something, what's on the line in each game. But I also don't remember a time. I mean, look at the amount of teams just in the AFC that either have six, seven, or eight wins. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of the 16 teams in the AFC either have six, seven, or eight wins right now. I don't really remember a time when it was so jumbled, and you don't really have any clear teams at the top. I mean, the number one record in the AFC is 10-4 and right now there's just not those clear cut dominant division winners and because of that we're seeing a lot of jumbling in those 2 3 and 4 spots in every division it is just crazy only four teams eliminated right now in the playoff conversation in the entire NFL and two of those teams won right. yesterday
1: right and and you're right there's there's not that dominant team and you know what there's really not for the most part, that the dominant quarterback as well, too. You know, going into the season, if we just stick with the AFC, everyone was talking about Josh Allen. He hasn't been great. I mean, their team is eight and six. They're looking up at Mac Jones, uh, led by the Patriots, at nine and five. Patrick Mahomes has not been totally spectacular as well, too. So you have all of these teams. That are again, with some good records but not outstanding records, no one has run away, and you don't have a clear cut really like m v p candidate as well too. This is all good for football, Matt, but the bottom line is it?
3: Is it because of parity or or what is it I'm not hundred percent sure, just when you thought you had things figured out like, hey, Arizona's pretty good, and detroit's pretty bad the Lions put a whipping on Arizona not just pulling the upset but dominating the game and beating them by 18 points I mean this has just been one of those seasons it's hard to figure out and yes Green Bay won again and they have the best record in football but they just as easily could have lost they were a two-point conversion away from losing to Baltimore in a game yesterday where Baltimore sort of floundered a few of those situations away it's just been a crazy season and at one point or another during the season I think we've anointed five or six teams the best team in football it was Tampa Bay then it was Arizona with their hot start then it was oh look the Tennessee Titans are the best team in football then it was the Dallas Cowboys then it was back to Tampa Bay now it's the Green Bay Packers this has been a crazy season Uh, And it's really, really hard to predict what you're going to get from week to week. I think this Raiders game was probably one of the more predictable Mm -hmm. since the Cleveland Browns didn't have a starting quarterback. And what a surprise. There's 10 points scored in the first half. None of them by the Cleveland Browns. But man, what a crazy season. And and what a fun season it makes when every single game feels like it matters.
1: No, absolutely correct. Now you know we talk about parody, and we talk about being a great season. And there, here we go with almost like a weekly conversation we're having about the underdogs cashing tickets and the underdogs six and four coming into today's game right now. Four outright winners yesterday as well. So uh, that that points to everything that we're talking about here. Talk about some of these upsets yesterday.
3: Yeah, I mean, first of all, we have to start with the Detroit Lions for for Arizona with an opportunity to you know get that number one seed and and really look like you know the big champ daddy coming out of the NFC West, the division everybody's talked about, and then to go on the road and just get dominated by Detroit, that was mind boggling. We talked, you know, the Denver quarterback you mentioned, Teddy Bridgewater, being carted off the field. That certainly hurt Denver's chances. Cincinnati, a popular dog, although a dog nonetheless. I think the one that was a little bit surprising again yesterday, and we don't talk about it because it wasn't this terrible upset, was Tennessee-Pittsburgh. I mean, we have to remember Tennessee was up 13-3 to at the half with an opportunity to clinch that division, and it looked like Pittsburgh had no life at all. And the Titans go on to score zero points in the second half. Pittsburgh outscores them sixteen to zero, gets the win nineteen to thirteen, just to make sure we have yet one more team in the AFC playoff hunt.
1: Yep, that is true. And you know, that game went back and forth, where the Titans opened a favorite, then then Pittsburgh, you know, closes the favorite in that game, and Pittsburgh ends up uh, coming from behind and winning that game. And this is a team that kind of plays ugly. And, you know, I don't think any of us really, truly respect Ben Roethlisberger. But for some reason, uh, the Steelers, they got it done against Baltimore. And, of course, there was those, you know, Harbaugh coaching, uh, you know, snafus again that probably led to that uh, victory for for the Steelers. And then yesterday, the turnovers. But I guess credit the Pittsburgh Steelers defense for, you know, creating four Tennessee Titans turnovers yesterday.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think the shocker of the day, and, and there were a few, and, We're talking about Pittsburgh, but the shocker of the day, T.C., has to be the fact that Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Tom. I mean, what was it, 250-something games without a shutout? The the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fifteen years, man.
1: Fifteen
3: years. Think about that. Unbelievable. Don't just lose at home to the the New Orleans Saints, but get shut out at home against the New Orleans Saints. That was the shocker of the day, my friend. And, you
1: know, that game, you know, we we talked about it earlier. No touchdowns, only three field goals, all by the Saints. The teams combined for 17 punts. It was an atrocious offensive game. And it just, you know, when the Saints got that third field goal, Matt, I mean – we would never ever think well okay it's 9 nothing you know Tampa Bay still still has a shot because you know hey they only need a touchdown a field goal the moment they kicked that third field goal i said game over i had zero game con- over. i had no confidence that the buccaneers could score twice when it was 6 nothing i said okay you know they they've got to midfield they got into territory but you know how many plays the buccaneers had in the saints red zone zero Zero. Wow. That's why no confidence whatsoever. So when they went from six to nine, unheard of, right? Normally, uh, game over. Just turn it off. This game's over. Even though there's still like four or five minutes to play, they're not winning the game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That that was mind-boggling. And I mean, I give credit to that Saints defense. They've been a good defense oh, yeah. all year, and oh, their yeah. offense hasn't been good. But But unbelievable to shut out Tampa Tom at home. Um, yeah, that was crazy, and, uh, and look, so many things happened yesterday, and now it is wide open with, with Indianapolis defeating New England on Saturday, and we forget to talk about that game, even though it was so important because it was played on Saturday, but that opened the door for uh, potentially Tennessee to to not win the AFC South, and Indianapolis, now they're only a game behind. Buffalo remains one game behind New England, so suddenly all these division races are wide open. Other than the Green Bay Packers, literally every division is open. for, uh, and, and it's going to be a really interesting stretch run. I tell you, the team that I would, again, we talked about it last week, and if we have to say it again, the team I don't want to play in round one of the playoffs right now, the San Francisco 49ers.
1: Yep, yep. they got the job done uh, again. Matt Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity talking about yesterday's NFL uh, Matt, going back, you know, we talked about how bad Brady was, and you mentioned talking about the Lions beating the Cardinals. Uh, which which team was worse yesterday? And then part two of this question is going forward. Uh, you know, who do you have maybe the least confidence in, Tampa Bay or Arizona? Because I don't feel good with either one of these teams right now.
3: Well, for me, it's definitely Arizona that I don't feel as confident in. After that amazingly hot start, they're only 3-4 and in their last seven games, and they're 2-3 and in their last five games, those two wins coming against Seattle and Chicago. So this is a team in Arizona that's starting to play much more closer to their preseason expectations than their first eight weeks, sort of. Um, you know, realizations the last month. And and I think that's the team I would have much less confidence in because they've never proven it either. Tom Brady's proven it so many times that you still have to feel better about Tommy in the playoffs. Arizona's a team for as hot as they were the first two months of the season. They have not been hot lately. We talked about three and four last seven games, and that includes a 24-point blowout loss to Carolina and an 18-point blowout loss to Detroit. Arizona is the one ten team in the league that I have the least amount of confidence in right now. Right.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I think we have to mention the Buccaneers as well because again, getting shut out, like we talked about, with scoring nothing last night. But now with this team, with the injuries that they have, now you, you've lost, uh, you know, Godwin for the rest of the season. Uh, Evans, I mean, he exited the game last night. Leonard Fournette, who's just been a beast for them at running back, now you know finally being the main running back, he goes out with the injury. Don't know the severity of it all. They are going to get Antonio Brown back, but as we know with Antonio Brown, I'm not sure that's a good thing, you know, because th- this guy causes so many problems when he's around the facility, and he's like a Josh Gordon thing. I mean, he could be there one week and be gone another.
3: Yeah, I think the good news for Tampa Bay is their schedule the rest of the way. Two games against the Carolina Panthers. Sandwiched in between those, oh, the super tough New York Jets. So I think Tampa actually <laughs> has a schedule that yeah. favors them getting healthy, whereas Arizona, they're going to have to claw and fight down the stretch. The Bucks have a pretty comfortable lead in that division, and they might have the weakest schedule in football in terms of their remaining games. Uh, I mean, the New Orleans Saints are in second at 7-7, seven and seven, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 10-4, and four, so a very comfortable lead, a really weak schedule. Don't be surprised if we see Tampa, Tom, and many of the Buccaneers taking a week off heading into the playoffs. That's another reason why I think I have more confidence in Tampa is they're going to have a better opportunity to get healthy, I think, than the Arizona Cardinals, will, yep. who have the L.A. Rams and the San Francisco yep. 49ers. Both nipping
1: at their heels. There he is. All right. Uh, tonight's game, we got the Vikings and the Bears. Doesn't seem like a real attractive game. Both teams under five hundred. Vikings six and seven still have a shot of the postseason. The Bears at four and nine. Bears really banged up here. And uh, when you look at the Vikings, I mean, they, you know that this is going to be a close game because they are just famous for having all you know having all of these games be one score games. So even though they seem like the better team on paper, Matt. We know that this thing's probably going to go down to the final two minutes,
3: right? Look, and the Bears have been playing a lot better football lately. They did put up 30 points against the Green Bay Packers in a fairly competitive effort. Got a win against the Lions. Only lost by a field goal to Baltimore. Only lost by two on the road at Pittsburgh. So this is a Bears team that is probably, to be honest, playing their best football of the season. Because they haven't played any good football basically all season. Uh, and I think that their their offense, at least, is starting to find some rhythm. Um, so at least I, I think you might – you know, I could see this thing being a close game. I would only take the points, I think, tonight with the Bears. And we saw it yesterday. Look, Arizona needed to win, and Detroit had nothing to play for, and they hammered Arizona. It, it hasn't really mattered who's the motivated team, or at least on paper the motivated team. I think you could throw that out the window. These are two division teams that don't like each other. And the Chicago bears are just trying to figure out, you know, do they have the quarterback of the future or not? And Justin Fields, and fortunately for them, he's starting to play a little bit better. Um, So, you know, we'll see how it goes. They're going to want to have a good showing tonight. And to your point, The Minnesota doesn't know how to play a game that's not tight. I think you have to take the points with the Chicago Bears.
1: You know, I'm glad you brought up the the motivated part because that is such a huge thing. And a lot of people feel that, well, okay, a team, because they're ready to clinch the division, they're motivated. And that was the case yesterday, like you mentioned, with Tennessee. Didn't happen. And then Arizona. I didn't think Arizona was motivated at all yesterday because I felt okay. They're making that cross country trip. They're playing an early morning game. They look like they were half asleep. And they go, "Oh yeah, we're playing the Lions. We're playing the one in eleven in one Lions." And they were not ready to play at all. They were not motivated. Now in Minnesota, I'm thinking this team's got to be motivated because it's a rivalry game. It's within the division, and they know that they usually play these guys, you know, very very close. So and I think think Minnesota has so much to play for I that's why I think Minnesota I mean if they can run the ball like they have been when Dalvin Cook's back I mean Dalvin Cook again over 200 yards last week last time he faced the Bears he had a, he had a monster game as well too and I look at I look at the teams here too with the off the field issues First of all, you go with Chicago, and you know Matt Nagy's more than likely going to lose his job. You have so yeah. many injuries. You hear players talking about that they've kind of mailed it in. And then with Minnesota, you know we had the incident this past week with Breland, you know getting into a, a shouting match with with his with his head coach with with Mike Zimmer and that sort of thing. And people are thinking, oh well, now Minnesota's probably missed. Here's the way I look at this thing: when you have a cancer on your team like the Vikings. And a lot of people just didn't know this because they didn't think this stuff was happening. But a guy like Breland, who's always had problems, you got him gone now. He is is out of of, of this thing. And the Vikings are going to have to regroup. Now they're going on the road. I think Minnesota is going to come up with an inspired performance tonight against a Bears team who, like you said, even though they've been playing well, you got Justin Fields. We'll talk about the quarterbacks here in a minute. But for me, I think that Chicago locker room is much more of a mess than Minnesota is right now.
3: And you might be right. And let's face it, at the end of the day, you talk about back against the wall. If Minnesota doesn't win tonight, it's over, season over, see you later. So I imagine they're going to be plenty hyped up and motivated. And when healthy, this Minnesota Vikings running game is as good as anybody in the NFL. And we've seen it the last couple of weeks. So there's certainly some premise there to say that, Hey, Minnesota comes with a big effort. Um, it's just hard to trust the Vikings. Cause they, every time you think that they're going to come with a big effort they're they're in a nail biter right down to the finish. It seems like every single week. So for me, Despite the fact what the stats say, despite the fact what I think, I agree with you that I could see this thing getting ugly because Minnesota plays every game tight, and lately the Bears have too. I just kind of feel like this one's going to come down to the yep. wire. Yep. And at almost a touchdown, it's a pretty good cushion.
1: Kirk Cousins, 1-9 of Monday Night Football. But, hey, his one win was last year against the Bears, and Justin Fields 2-7 as a starter. What have you noticed from Justin Fields, especially last week's game against Green Bay?
3: Well, he is starting to be able to, like you'd expect from a young quarterback, go through those progressions a little better. It seemed like early in the year, because that offensive line isn't very good, that if his first option wasn't there, he he started to get happy feet right away. Uh, whereas now I'm starting to see him at least make that first, second, maybe third read, and because of that he's completing more passes and the offense is moving the ball a little better and thank goodness somebody on that offensive sideline finally started designing some plays for him to get the ball out of his hands quicker because the offensive line can't block, and he has happy feet anyway, so the best thing they can do for Justin Fields is get the ball out of his hands quicker. And, oh, by the way, they have some pretty good running backs. I mean, David Montgomery is a solid back, and I feel like lately they've actually been running the football behind those decent running backs. That's helped take a lot of pressure off Fields. And I think that's why their offense has been a little better.
1: All right, it's a it's a weird week as we know. We got two more games tomorrow. You got Seattle and the Rams, and you got Washington at Philadelphia. Uh, Quick take on on the Rams uh, finally playing some good football. But the reason why this game was moved to Tuesday was because of all the COVID's uh, uh, positives with the Rams.
3: I know, but thankfully for them, and this is one of those rare cases like we saw at the Browns today that even though the game was moved, they still didn't have a quarterback. They were just going to be missing too many players. This was going to be a tall, tall mountain to climb. I actually think uh, tomorrow with the Rams, you know, they get Jalen Ramsey back. They're actually getting a couple of key guys back. Their starters really
1: starters are not affected as far as COVID. For the Correct. most part.
3: Yeah. So I actually think it's a yeah. good spot for the Rams tomorrow night. And on the other side, who knows what well, you know who's going to be available for the Washington football team. Um and again, this is that's a big game. This is kind of a winner advances in the playoff hunt, loser doesn't game. But of course, we have Tyler Heineke. Uh you know, Heineke, uh, he's got COVID issues tomorrow and it's just a litany of people with a you know, COVID-related questionables for the Washington football team. So I don't know how in the world you could take the points right now uh, unless you had some information that led you to believe that some of these guys are going to play. But right now, shoot, it feels like Washington's going to have a hard time having enough guys to play, and for that reason, it would have to be Philly or Pass. I think for me,
1: yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, Washington, like you said, uh, with uh, with Heineke, um, you know, you got defensive tackle Jonathan Allen, quarterback Kendall Fuller, uh, safety uh, uh, Cameron Curl. I mean, all those guys are starters, and you're going to get Kyle Allen as the starting quarterback uh, for Washington tomorrow. I think it's a good spot. Jalen Hurts will be back. Uh, you know, for Philadelphia tomorrow. So the number six and a half, but uh, and the Eagles, really, I mean, both these teams have something to play for, but uh, I I think obviously the Eagles are the much more healthier team there at home, maybe advantage Eagles there. I mean, it's, it's usually not wise to lay, you know, a touchdown uh, with, uh, a rivalry game like this because it's usually closely contested. A lot of times the dog comes up. But here, like you mentioned, with so many COVID issues with Washington, it seems like a good spot for both home teams tomorrow, the Eagles and the Rams. Uh, all right, Matt Holt joins us. Matt, uh, bowl games uh, coming up with Tulsa. Uh, got there. Uh, for me earlier today, was part of our best bet. So Tulsa ends up uh, covering a couple other, you know, smaller bulls in the next few days. Any of these games coming up that you want to uh, point people to go to the window to?
3: Boy, that Tulsa game was tight today. I thought for a minute that maybe we we're going to see a backdoor cover. Um, but we didn't. I'll tell you, the Missouri Tigers, and this is tomorrow, haven't been able. I mean, Wednesday, Wednesday, haven't been able to stop the run all year. And Army is not going to be happy coming off that really ugly effort against Navy. Now, in the Armed Forces Bowl, you have a team that can't stop the run against the team that run, runs the football as well as anyone in the country. You wouldn't normally lay points at Army against an SEC team, but if I'm playing, I'm laying right there
1: all right <laughs> yeah it's it 's kind of strange to see Army a four and a half point favorite you know over a big twelve team, and you know Missouri they are capable of, of scoring, but you 're right defensively uh they 're going to have uh, some problems as well too uh, you know I talk about uh, on Friday we talked about the the game on Thursday with u c f and Florida. I think it's a great spot for Central Florida here because they 're playing Big brother Florida is a mess. Uh, do not, uh, you know, have, have a head coach basically that is that will be on the sideline. You know, right now, coaches are looking for jobs. Uh, their starting quarterback uh, just went in the transfer portal. Uh, this team is kind of a mess right now, man. And I think UCF is is really going to be motivated for this game. And uh, you know, I, I view UCF just like I did with Utah State, a team that feels like, hey, they got a chip on their shoulder. They're an underdog, and they're probably going to win this game outright.
3: Yeah, and they've done it before. This is a team we remember a few years ago that went to, went on to beat Auburn in a bowl game with their perfect season. I think this is a little bit of a down bowl for a UCF game that's, for UCF team that's been playing in big games lately. But you're right, I think they'll be plenty motivated against Big Brother. And I don't know that there's a team left in the bowls, maybe LSU, that's as big of a mess as Florida right now. At least LSU has their next head coach. But they also have some real quarterback issues with one quarterback hurt, the another quarterback in the transfer portal, and they're trying to get a waiver for their freshman to not lose his redshirt status if he starts the game. If he doesn't, I don't know that they'll have a quarterback against Kansas State, but other than LSU, there's certainly not a team in a trickier spot, or at least more of a down spot than the Florida Gators, and I don't know how you could lay points to them. For me, it would definitely be UCF for pass.
1: Yeah, and again, in this game, I mean, Florida's really not traveling. It's not like they're going to any type of real destination, you know, for the location you know, of this bowl game, too, and that plays a big factor into it, too, where, you know, you always have to To look at teams, which teams are actually motivated. I just can't see Florida, you know, a six and six team who basically has been miserable, especially against, you know, uh, the upper echelon teams at SEC where they haven't been competitive and the only victories that they have had on their schedule has been against the lower team teams. I mean, they beat Samford in non conference. I mean, barely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, beating Vanderbilt, uh, you know, is in, you know, as far as, uh, um, you know, an SEC opponent. I mean, the lowest of the low. And then the Florida State game, that was a mess too. So I don't know how motivated they're going to be because, again, they're staying in state. Oh, they're playing the Gasparilla Bowl in St. Petersburg. I-, I don't know. It's, uh, it's something to watch out for when you're handicapping these bowl games, no doubt about it.
3: Motivation is the number one factor in handicapping these bowl games, TC. And we've seen it. We've seen so many big favorites already go down this year. It started right off with Toledo in bowl game one, right? Right. A double-digit favorite losing. Motivation is the the biggest factor. You know, just as we talked about here, too, the Raiders with that big fourth down, then they turn the ball over two plays later.
1: Yeah, yeah. Carr gets sacked. And uh he went down and now the Browns are driving. Like I said, is this this game uh is, is far from over, so the Browns are, are driving in Raiders territory right now. Matt, we'll let you get back and watch the rest of the game, my friend. We'll talk to you later. Of course, Matt. US integrity, a fantastic job there. And always uh you know, on the sportsbook side, uh, looking at all of this stuff and on our best bets as well, too. Check his picks out and all of our picks at TCMartinShow.com. Take care, brother. And if I don't talk to you before Christmas, uh, hopefully if you have some time, you can join us on Friday at the Cosmopolitan. And, uh, you know, if not, uh, Merry Christmas to you and the family.
3: Merry Christmas to you and yours as well, TC. Best of luck. Take care, my friend. There he is, Matt Holt.
1: All right, I want to thank Matt for joining us today. TJ Rees from Tampa Bay, the Buck sideline reporter, and Dr. Christina Madison, giving us a very good, thorough update regarding what's happening here. In Las Vegas, with the COVID situation, and uh, always fluid, you know, with the sports situation as well too. Appreciate her, and of course, the head coach Kevin Kruger joined us from the Tarkanian Classic, doing a little recruiting, having some popcorn today. And uh, UNLV getting ready to get back on the hardwood of the Thomas and Mack Center coming up on Wednesday night in their final non-conference game before they open up Mountain West Conference play next week. Actually, New Year's Day against San Diego State. Miss any part of the show? Go to the website. Check it all there at tcmartinshow.com. Have a good one. Tomorrow, terrible Tuesday. We got that. More NFL. Two more games tomorrow. Join us at 2. The
0: T.C. Martin Show is here. Yeah, boy! If you can't listen live, go to TCMartinShow.com anytime. Listen to the podcast, check out the blog, and see the star-studded photo gallery. Get your daily dose of the doctor. TC Martin online at TCMartinShow.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and be an active part of the show anytime, anywhere. It's the most entertaining and informative sports talk show on the planet. The TC Martin Show.
1: Betting has never been easier, and you can earn free money when you sign up today for a new William Hill, Nevada, mobile sports account. Earn a $50 bonus when you deposit $50 or more using promo code TC50. That's promo code TC50. The William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports App allows you to bet from any iPhone, iPad, or Android device anywhere in Nevada. With the largest wagering menu, the Mobile Sports App features live in-play betting as well. Sign up today. For more information, visit williamhill.us. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call or text one 800 522
2: Nashville hot chicken, bold pork sandwiches, award-winning Vietnamese wings, and plenty of ice-cold craft brews. Just a taste of what you'll find at Block 16 Urban Food Hall at the Cosmopolitan